I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation to say that we want to end veteran homelessness in Oklahoma City or Oklahoma, period. I think it's very attainable. I think it's just something that we have to take one step at a time and, you know, and go out and hold the hands of those veterans and say, hey, we're here with you and we'll walk you through the process and you're not alone. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. On today's episode, we're celebrating Veterans Day with an interview with our friend and longtime supporter, David Dirk Schneider, who lives in Oklahoma City. David is a Marine and will serve as board president for Mental Health Association Oklahoma in 2021. We asked Greg Shin, the association's associate director and chief housing officer, to interview David because they are longtime friends. Okay, let's get the conversation started. The Mental Health Download starts now. David, thank you so much for being here today. And I want to wish you a happy Veterans Day. And thank you very much for your service to our country. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be, be a part, and uh, especially on uh, today being Veterans Day. I really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate it too, David. And I'd, I'd like to start with maybe you can share a little bit of your story. What led you to join the Marines or considering a career in the military? And tell us a little bit what it was like serving our country. Sure, sure. So I, I signed up right after, right during or right after at the end of my senior year in high school. And and really the main reason was was for college, right? I, I, I needed money to pay for college. And I didn't know that there was as many opportunities as, as there are, you know, now that I know. And, it, you know, and so I, I also, you know, I had kind of a, a rowdy childhood, you know, and, and I thought, well, this would be a, a good way to, to kind of, you know, get some purpose and do something. And, uh, you know, and I thought, if I'm going to do something, I want to do the best, the biggest and the best. And, and I always heard, you know, the Marines were the, the, the best and the toughest and thought, you know, that, that's what I want to do. So, so I signed up and, and, and I went and, you know, the funny thing is, is my mom actually said that when I left, I left as a kid. And when I came back, I was a man. And, and she said it was that noticeable of a difference that it truly changed me that much, which, you know, that was pretty cool for my mom to say. And so I went in and, and I did serve a total of seven and a half years, which is active plus reserve. When I went in, it was pre 9-11. So it's quite a while ago. And there, you know, there wasn't really a lot going on. So back then we actually did like cold weather training and you know, different stuff like that, which I, I don't think they do a lot of anymore. But while I was in 9-11 happened. I remember just like everybody I remember where I was sitting, what I was doing and, and instantly just remember, you know, and, and at that point I was in, uh, uh, the reserves. And so I, I remember calling up and saying, Hey, what are we going to do? And so I ended up getting activated in uh, 2005 and got sent to a pretty bad area of Iraq called Al Ambar province, an area that they just were not very, very friendly to the U S because there just wasn't a lot of U S uh, uh, personnel in that area. In fact, we were the first ones in that area. And so unfortunately, while we were there, we lost 48 Marines and sailors, which was quite a bit. They said we had seen more combat than any Marine Corps battalion since Vietnam up to that point. And I'm sure that that's probably changed since then. But they, they even made a, a documentary about us on the A&E TV series called the, the Marine. The com- it was called Combat Diaries, the Marines of Lima Company. It was actually a really good series too, because it, it wasn't very political or one-sided, but it showed videos of, of when we were there, stuff we recorded. And it was kind of neat because, you know, the weird thing is now, I, you know, I, I try to think back about it 
and there's a lot of stuff I can't remember, you know, and I don't know if it's just that I've kind of pushed it down and, and intentionally not try to remember it, but there's a lot of stuff I look back and I can't remember. And so when I watch that video, it, it's really, it's kind of neat because I see it and I remember, you know, I'll see videos and be like, I was standing right there. I was doing this, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that we did over there that wasn't on TV. That was great things that people, you know, just came up and thanked us constantly. And, you know, we, we brought water to this town that hadn't had water in years and uh, did a lot of good things. So, you know, overall my experience and, and while I, while I was in was great. I mean, I look back and it's one of the, the, the most proud accomplishments of my life and it's, it's truly defined who I am. And most people understand that they, 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 when they know me, they know that my personality is, is very much, you know, defined by, you know, what I've done in, in my, my being in the Marine Corps. Well, that's a really amazing story, David. I just have to say you're a real hero along with all those other guys in your battalion and everybody who served there to help liberate and bring safety and security uh, to that region of the world. And we can all appreciate the losses that you suffered and how that must have weighed on everybody you were serving with at the time. When you see your friends and your, your colleagues, you know, your fellow servicemen, they don't come back. We all understand what that means for the families that are back here in the States. And uh, we certainly all recognize that, especially on Veterans Day, but all the time. But I think that the depth of that experience does define you exactly as you described it. I think that's who you are. You wear it on your sleeve. And we're really proud to have you, you know, in the Mental Health Association Army, so to speak. Yeah. So, you know, with all those experiences, what do you think that that's done for your own personal resiliency? You've gone through a lot, all those ups and downs, how you survived all of that during this pandemic that we're going through. How do you draw on that? How, how does the training and the resiliency that you use to get through that affecting you now as we go through this pandemic? Sure. And there's, there's no question that, you know, when you become a Marine or really any service member and really any kind of first responder for that, that uh, matter, you know, you obviously go through training that, that prepares you to, to handle certain situations. And so, you know, if you break it down kind of the very basic way to look at it is, you know, when a, a traumatic experience happens or when, when an emergency situation happens, most people kind of panic and run. And, you know, when you're, especially when you're in combat and you're in a, you know, an emergency situation, you just don't have that luxury to be able to just panic and run. So you've kind of learned to be able to break things down and just, you, you almost stop and, and things kind of happen in slow motion at that point. And you understand, okay, I just got to do this. Now I got to do this. And it's, you know, the, the old saying, your, your training kicks in. And I can't tell you how many times when we were in Iraq that that truly is what happened. I mean, you know, a situation goes awry, you know, an explosion happens or something happens and, you know, and, and you just don't think you just act and, you know, your, your, your training truly, you know, kicks in and you look back and you really don't even remember how it happened. You just remembered this happened and this happened and you did what you were supposed to. And I think that same kind of, you know, training or, or, you know, the way you look at things really helps in, in situations like what's going on with COVID or any kind of pandemic or any kind of emergency situation, you, you know, you just learn to the Marine Corps, you know, one of our kind of phrases or, or sayings that we have is you improvise, adapt and overcome. And, and you just, you know, you, you learn to deal with the situation and you may not like what's going on and you may not be able to control the outcome, 
but you can definitely, you, you can change your, your narrative. You can change your outcome by, by handling it a certain way. And I think that any service member would agree and they kind of do the same. I mean, you just, you take a step back and you look at the situation and, and you, you, you react accordingly. Wow. Improvise, adapt and overcome. I think that's a great message for all of us. I think that's what we're all trying to do right now. I think you made a comment a little earlier when we were talking, how is Veterans Day in 2020 during the time of the pandemic different than all the previous Veterans Days that you've been that you've had in in recent memory? Yeah, this one is it's really interesting. And in fact, you know, every Veterans Day for I don't know, as long as I can remember now, I've always been asked to go and kind of either give a speech, whether it's at some sort of a group, a, a veterans group or, you know, a, a rotary club type thing or, or some sort of organization, even sometimes just my kids school. I mean, every year, in fact, even if I gave a speech somewhere, every time on Veterans, I always went to my kids school and they always did a, a veterans assembly, you know, and, and you know, gave us, you know, little color pages that they colored or little gifts or something. And it, and it was something my kids always look forward to. And this year, it's just different. You don't have that, right. You, you, you can't have the group gatherings and, and it's, it's, it's almost sad because, you know, there's, there's a lot of veterans out there that, that don't have a lot to look forward to and, and they don't have, you know, families or, or, you know, just really groups that they're a part of. And they look forward to this day. I mean, they look forward to having these gatherings and the veterans parade in Oklahoma city was canceled this year. And, and I mean, that's a, a big deal. Luckily Norman still had one on Sunday that luckily I was able to go to and help run a group called the young Marines, which is kind of like the boy scouts, but it's sponsored by the Marine Corps league. And we, we took the young Marines out there and they participated in the parade and with the Marine Corps league. And, and it was, it was a great event. And, I was surprised that they had it because every other one had been canceled, but this is definitely a very different veterans day this year. You know, all the veterans that are, they just don't have that, that those groups to go to. So that's why I'm, I'm glad to be able to speak here, uh, at least get the opportunity to, to talk about it. Well, we thank you again. And thank you so much for your leadership in raising up and preparing the next generation. That's what we all have to do, right? So yeah. I'm really glad that you're involved with all those young people like that. Let's change for just a minute and let's talk about how it is that you got connected with the Mental Health Association in the first place. Yeah, sure. And that's actually a story I really like and and, and actually you were a big part of. And so you know, early on, I, I I did some work with the Oklahoma City Housing Authority and was helping them trying to find some property on my on my business side. An apartment broker, a real estate broker, specializing in apartments, and and you and and some other. I think it was you, meaning Mental Health Association, the Homeless Alliance, and the Housing Authority were getting together and and wanting to do a, a project. And I'd met you out on that site, and we were talking. And I think you uh, and I'm. Yeah, actually, I know it was you. You had mentioned uh, something about a goal to end veteran homelessness, and right when you said that, I, I you know, I thought, you know, obviously being a veteran, I thought, man, that is something I can get on board with. I, I mean, I, I really like that goal, and so you know, I kind of persisted and followed up with you and found out, hey, what you know, what is this? You know, what are you guys trying to do? And so I got, I started volunteering on the the housing committee and did that for several years and you know, helping, you know, build uh, or expand mental health associations reach throughout Oklahoma. And then after serving on that for several years, became the chair of the housing committee. 
and then eventually got onto the board and then now uh, obviously going to be the the president or the president elect now so be the chair of the board next year but you know it all started just from you telling me that you guys had a goal to end veteran homelessness that that one phrase is truly what hooked me mm. boy that's a beautiful goal isn't it i mean the yeah. association we operate from the mentality that housing is a human right Everybody deserves a safe, decent, affordable place to live. And when you talk about our veterans who served our country, who are willing to die for our country, it's really a sin that any veteran would be homeless in this United States of America, the richest country in the world. We know we can do better than that. And ending veteran homelessness is still a reachable goal. So let's talk about affordable housing. So what what would it mean? You know, why do you believe so much in affordable housing for veterans specifically? Yeah, you know, I think it, it really boils down to, you know, just like you said, no, no veteran should ever be homeless. No veteran should ever look at housing outside of their reach. You know, not all homeless veterans, but a, a large percentage of homeless veterans, you know, they, they, they suffer from mental illness. And many a times, it is due to their service. Again, not always, but a lot of times it's due to their service, due to things that they've seen. And and I look at it like this is, you know, they didn't ask to be in that situation. They didn't they didn't ask to to be sent overseas to to fight in a war, to come back home, you know, hurt, right? Don't get me wrong, they, they willingly did so, but nobody nobody should be cast aside when they get home and said, you just gotta, you just gotta deal with it. They gave a huge part of their life, right? They, they gave a, a part of their, their, their soul or their mind when they were overseas. And so to come back home and especially those in the, in the Vietnam days, when they came back home and were, were spit on and, and ridiculed, you know, just, just, I mean, it, it, it tore them down mentally, you know, and, and that stuck with them to this day. And, and so those, those guys, I mean, I, they need to, to, they need housing. And and just like we believe housing first, I mean, that's the number one thing to get them back on track. I mean, I, 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 there's probably very few homeless veterans that, that don't have the ability if given the, the right track to become productive members of society. I mean, at one point they were fighting for your country and, and they were, they were in the military and they were very capable to serve. And, and I guarantee you most of them can again, if they're given the opportunity, if they're given a home and, and, and given the tools to be able to succeed. And so I, I just don't think any veteran that served should ever be cast aside and said, you just got to figure it out on your own. Yeah. Boy, that's a good message. And we know that all the veterans that you served with and millions of others just like that, they all have those skills and that resiliency that they learned while they were in service to their country. So yes, they can translate that, but they need to sometimes get a hand up and get a head start making that transition back to civilian life, right? And yeah. they have trauma maybe that's left over from their experiences in the military. So it can be a real challenge. So if you think about veterans in Oklahoma City, and veterans that are experiencing homelessness, what would you like to see happen to help them improve their lives? What do you think are some of the things we could do as quickly as we possibly can? Sure. You know, I, I mean, obviously, 
right now there's just a lack of dedicated housing for veterans right and 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 don't get me wrong there's a lack of there's a lack of housing for any any you know of, of the at need you know chronically homeless there's a need for all of it but there's a large percentage of people that I think would be very willing to give and willing to help out the, the homeless veteran population. And so I think one of the first things we need to do is we really need to, you know, we need to just start tackling them one by one, whether it's a, a transitional housing site, whether it's more apartments or homes uh, to, to get them into, you know, we really need to, to provide that housing first and get them off the streets. It's not impossible to end veteran homelessness in Oklahoma City. I think it's exactly. very attainable. In reality, I think, I mean, a few good apartment complexes dedicated to veteran homelessness, and I think we could solve that issue. So I, I don't think it's an unrealistic expectation to say that we want to end veteran homelessness in Oklahoma City or Oklahoma, period. I think it's very attainable. I think it's just something that we have to take one step at a time and add one property at a time and, and you know, and go out and, and hold the hands of those veterans and say, hey, we're here with you and we'll walk you through the process. And you're not alone, right? You're, you're not alone. We're here to help you. Well, that's a great mission. Those are those are great marching orders. We're happy to have you as our board chair, kind of as our, our general for the next year. As we tackle that mission very seriously, we are working to accomplish that mission and carry out those orders, David. So I can't thank you enough for uh, sharing your personal story and giving us um, your thoughts and your experiences. And it'll really, I hope, resonate with people in Oklahoma with veterans that have lived experience. And I hope that people can really take something from this conversation. As we wind down now, I would like to thank you again, but I would ask you to share with our audience one last bit of wisdom that you might have here on Veterans Day. Sure. You know, I think that, you know, going back on what I said about how during Vietnam era veterans, you know, came back and were mistreated. And one of the great things about this time around is and, and what the, the country has done a lot better job of is is kind of preparing veterans to come home from combat and and, you know, not just throwing them on a plane and sending them back home. So that's definitely a big win or a big improvement from what it used to be. But but there's still a lot of veterans out there that that are hurt guys that I served with. I mean, we saw the same exact thing and could be impacted in very different ways. And, and it just depends on the person. And, you know, and I think during these times of, of COVID, those that are that are hurting and struggling, especially those that are out on the streets, you know, don't forget about them. You know, we, you know, we, we take being stuck at home for granted. You know, we say it all the time, like, oh, man, I'm stuck at home. This COVID's just driving me nuts. I can't leave the house. I, you know, I'm so tired of being around my kids all day or my family or, you know, things that, that you know, people say and they don't really mean it, but they say it just because they say it. But if we think about it, that's really a privilege, right? We have a home. There's so many out there, veterans and non-veterans, I mean, that, that are homeless that would give anything to say, man, I'm stuck at home, right? They, they, they don't have a home. And so I think that, you know, if you see a veteran out there, you know, offer a hand, give them, you know, see if they need help, encourage them, thank them for their, I mean, it, it, the least you can do is just say, 
thank you for your service, right? I mean, that goes a long way. Uh, I mean, it, it, it sounds so cliche, but when people say it, it, it means a lot. And so I think just letting them know that you're there, you know, if you have time, donate your time. If you have the resources to financially donate, the, the, the goal of ending veteran homelessness is very, very attainable. It just needs everybody pitching in just a little bit, everybody giving just a little bit, and we can get there.